0: CHAPTER 1 OF SHAN FOLKLORE STORIES FROM THE HILL AND WATER COUNTRY THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG RECORDING BY THIS NAME SHAN FOLKLORE STORIES FROM THE HILL AND WATER COUNTRY BY WILLIAM CHARLES CRIX ALONG KIT ONCE UPON A TIME THERE WAS A WOMAN who lived in the state of Lai Haka. She was a very pious woman and always gave the best rice and puck to the priest as they walked rice chatty in hand through the city early in the morning. Every year when the girls and boys went to the river and filled their chattis with water to throw over the pagodas and idols to ensure a good rainy season and abundant crop, she always had the largest bucket of the clearest water and threw it higher than anybody else. She carried the sweetest flowers to the zayat every evening and on worship days took rice in the prettiest of cups made of banana leaves and offered to the gothamas in the idol house. But she was not happy. When her neighbors went to the pagodas, they had their little ones tied upon their backs or running around at their sides. But she had no child whom she could take with her, no one to whom she could tell stories of the great lord Sarkia, who rules over the spirits of the Hype country and so she was sad she was getting old too and often envied the women who lived near who had bright boys to run errands and girls to help in the house each year at the feast of lights when she sent her little candle floating down the river she prayed for her child but in vain at last she made a pilgrimage to a pagoda where folks said was a para who would give anything that was asked of him bright and early she set out and on her head was an offering an image of a tiger and one of a man and when she arrived at the pagoda she offered the images and prayed for a son when she was at the pagoda lord sakya heard her took pity on her and promised her a son but alas when he was born To his mother's great sorrow instead of being the beautiful boy she hoped he was nothing but a frog lord sakya in order to comfort her however told her that her son was really a great high peer and that after one year and seven months he would change into the most handsome man in all the hill and water country all the women scoffed and made fun of the poor mother and all through the village she was called My Kith, or frog's mother. But she bore their jays in silence, and never reviled in return. Now the king of the country had seven daughters. All were married except one, and one day My Kith went to ask him for this daughter in marriage for her son. The king was of course very angry that she should ask that his only remaining daughter should marry a frog, but he spoke deceitfully called his daughter and asked if she would be willing to accept a frog for a husband like a dutiful daughter she told him that she would follow his words and do as he wished and she had no will apart from his the king then called the woman and said o woman i will give my only remaining daughter to your son but i make one stipulation you must build a road paved, and properly built from the marketplace to my palace. The sides must be decorated with painted bamboos, and the work must be done within seven days, or you shall die. Now go and prepare for the work, and at the end of seven days I will make ready the marriage feast for my daughter, or order the executioner to take off your head. In great distress my kid returned to her home, and sat down on the floor of her house and wept all day long she bewailed her hopeless condition in vain her son asked her the cause of her sorrow afraid of grieving him she would not tell him but at last when six out of seven days had passed and knowing the fate that awaited her on the morrow she told him how she had gone to the king with her request and the time being almost expired That she must make ready to die on the morrow the executioner's sword has already been sharpened my son she said and today in bazaar they were talking of it and promising to meet one another at the palace tomorrow when the sun should be overhead as a last resort she made ready food and sweetmeats she took paddy and placed it over the fire till the heat broke the husks and pure white grains appeared These she mixed with the whitest of sugar, and as she was too poor to own plates, she went into the jungle to where new bamboo was bursting through its green prison, and taking the broad coverings of the new leaves, she fashioned them into dishes and offered them with many prayers for help to the Lord Sakya. Our Lord, know it that my son can do nothing, she cried. He has not even hands to help but what can our lord slave do to avoid the great trouble to which i have arrived that night in the lovely Hypier country the mighty lord sarkhyar reclined on his golden throne of state by and by the velvet mat became so hot that he could sit upon it no longer and looking down he saw squatting before him on the floor a frog o oh, our lord Said the frog i come to remind our lord that he is his slave's father my mother our lord's slave has arrived at great sorrow and unless our lord pities us and takes compassion on our lord's slave she will arrive at destruction tomorrow graciously do this act of kindness o chief of all the high peers lord Sarkia took pity on his son and promised to help him. The four strongest spirits in the kingdom were the four Hypeas. They were twins, and the name of the first two was Nantare, and that of the second was hete These powerful spirits he ordered to complete the road during the night. The next morning when the king arose, he looked forth from his palace, and a most wonderful sight met his gaze. He rubbed his eyes, For he believed they deceived him he pinched himself to see whether he was really awake or whether he was dreaming for a wonderful thing had happened during the night so wonderful in fact that one cannot be surprised that he thought it unreal from the bazaar to the very gate of the palace was a broad smooth road and on each side were brick walls covered with the whitest of cement and decorated with the heads of lions and two large griffins built of brick and also covered with white cement guarded the entrance They were more than twelve cubits high their mouths were wide open and showed their terrible fangs their eyes looked upon the king with a stony glare the road was paved with blocks of stone cut as smooth and laid as true as the cells of a honeycomb There was one road for men, one for oxen, and yet another for horses. Zayats had been built here so that the travellers, a could rest and be thankful. And all over was a wide canopy of cloth that extended entirely from end to end and from side to side to protect the king from the sun when he should move along the road to observe its wonders more closely in utter amazement he beat the gong that hung ready to his side with such vigour that Ahmad's soldiers attendants and people from the city came rushing out of their houses to the palace gates expecting that at least that the neighbouring prince with whom they had been long at war had taken the city by surprise but they like the king stood transfixed and speechless with wonder when they saw the road with its carvings and zayats and the canopy with the golden border spread above all the king called mayakith she came and hidden in her turban was her son the king had thought to punish this presumptuous woman by giving her an impossible task to do with a penalty that put her beyond the power of offending again and was of course angry and disappointed that his scheme had been unsuccessful but the occurrence had become the common talk of the market-place and so he was obliged to carry out his part of the bargain although it had gone contrary to his expectation and desires so much against his will he called his daughter and gave an order that for seven days there was to be a feast in honour of the marriage of the princess but when the rejoicings of the people were finished kith was not given permission to live in his father's palace but was sent with his wife and mother to live in the old house where he had been born six days after the marriage there was a feast at the pagoda and the six daughters of the king went in state they rode upon royal elephants dancers danced beneath them the golden umbrella protected them from the sun and everybody fell upon their knees and clasped their hands as the august personages went along their retinue filled the street when they stopped at the little house where their little sister lived oh sister they called are you coming to the feast but the poor girl in great shame told them that she could not come and when they had gone She sat on the floor with her face in her hands and gave way to her grief. While she was sobbing, her husband approached her and told her not to be sorrowful. My father is the great Lord Sakyau, said he, and he will give me anything I ask. So do not say, I am ashamed to go, for I have only your frog as a husband. You shall yet see your proud father and unkind sisters bowing before you and offering you presents as they offer to the gods seeing how distressed the poor girl really was lord sakya took pity on them and descended to the earth he brought with him wonderful white clothes such as the high peers wear they were brighter than the stars that shoot across the sky at night or the lightning that flashes over the heavens during the hot season he also gave them a magic stone which if placed under their tongues would enable them to fly wherever they wished the next morning was the last day of the feast when the boat races would be rowed when the horses of the king and his chief amats would race for prizes when the best jugglers would show their most wonderful tricks and the best dancers would dance under the booth. in the midst of their fun and excitement a great shout rent the air The mighty Lord Sakya is descending. And right in the middle of the feasting there was a flash of brilliant light and two wonderful beings alighted. They were clothed in dazzling white and flew swifter than when a kingfisher darts from a tree towards its prey in the water. Everyone came, crowding around as near as they dared, and upon their knees offered presents of food to the wonderful beings. First and foremost came the princesses, who bowed till their foreheads touched the dust and lifted their clasped hands over their heads and turned away their faces while they offered the sweetest and most savoury food to the visitors. But it was noticed that although the spirits ate the food offered by the Amats to the undercommon the people, they would not eat the food given by the princesses. But wrapped it up and placed it on one side the next day the princesses came to the sister's house and derided her a oh, wife of an animal they cried you would not come to the feast and so you lost the chance of seeing the mighty Lord Sarkia descend from the high country and then they told of the wonderful sight and again made fun of their unfortunate sister Kit's wife smiled at them, and then she said, It is you who are unfortunate, not I. My husband is not the ugly animal you think him to be, but is a great and powerful hyper. It was not the Lord Sarkia who descended yesterday, but his son, my husband, and myself. And to prove my words, whose are these? and she produced the very bundles of food that her sisters had offered the day before to the supposed ruler of all spirits the sisters were surprised to see that she had the food there but they laughed her to scorn when she told them of her husband in order that his son should become mighty and famous the lord Sarkia sent one of his attendants to the king and caused him to give an order to his children that they should have a boat-race the one who reached the winning post first and carried away the flag on its rattan pole was to be the king in his room and the one who came last was to be the slave to the fortunate one there were great preparations among the servants of the six princesses and many wagers were made as to who would be successful but none wished to wager to who would come and last as they all knew it would be the youngest sister she has no boat, said they and she has no servants to make one nor money to buy one even if she had what could she do her husband has no hands how could he row against and defeat the swift boatmen who have been called by the princesses the king gave seven days in which his daughters were to prepare for the race and during that time the shouting of the various crews as they practised on the lake was heard from early morning till the sun dropped behind the mountains but only six boats were seen the race was to take place on a lake on the outskirts of the city and on the morning of the seventh day when the six princesses took their stations they were surprised to see that there was a seventh boat there but they did not know that it was a magic boat sent by lord Sarkia from the Peer country and that the sixteen rowers were not men but Peers. The course was over a thousand cubits to the post and around it and return, and so fast did the magic boat glide through the water that it had covered the entire distance, and the captain had laid the flag at the king's feet before any of the other boats had reached the first pole that showed half the distance. But something even more wonderful than that had taken place during the race. The time spent apart during which the son of my kith was to have the form of a frog had expired. And lo! he was now the most handsome man in all the hill and water country. He had a crown of gold upon his head, and magic white cloth, such as only the hypias wear, were on his person. His wife was clothed in as beautiful a manner and the king at last seeing his mistake he had made in treating him so badly knelt on the shore and asked which lord is the son of his slave by which he meant which of the lords was the one to which whom he had given his daughter but the lord kith as now he was called did not take a mean revenge on his unkind brothers and sisters and when they came on their knees begging for their lives and asking for the privilege of being his slaves he took compassion on them, and instead of ordering them to immediate execution, made them his amats. This is why the Shans who live in the hill and water country worship Tao End of Chapter one recording by the Sneem.